0: Before we get into Dennis's story, I want to give a quick content warning that this episode contains references to content that may be triggering and difficult to hear. Some examples of this content are sexual assault, abuse, self-harm, and suicidal ideation. This trigger warning is to empower you as a listener to make a healthy decision about if and when and how you should consume this podcast. If you need support, please look at the links for resources we've listed in the show notes. Now, here's Dennis's story.
1: No, there were multiple attempts. I, there were a total of three. What do you wish somebody told you then, that you know now? It was just having somebody there to let me know I wasn't alone because I really felt alone at that time you know, at the losing mom and i was i was a true uh, uh mama's boy so i was just in in every stretch of that imagination of being that i was that and when she was lost i felt so alone
0: hey everybody welcome to stronger than you think a podcast by youth villages and i'm your host sam coates in each episode, you'll hear a story of passion and resilience from an employee of Youth Villages, one of the top children's behavioral and mental health organizations in the country. Children with emotional and behavioral challenges in their families face unimaginably difficult circumstances, and it takes a committed, well-trained, and supported person to show up for these children and youth every day to help them find their path to well-being. Join us to hear from individuals as those on the front lines of this work as they talk about their career journeys and how their own personal experiences fuel their passion making a difference every day. Our guest today is Dennis McBee. After growing up in South Memphis and experiencing a significant amount of adversity, Dennis graduated with a degree in psychology and began his career working in corporate America. His childhood experiences drove him to want to change careers and start working with families, impacting those like his and the ones he grew up with. As Dennis says, he found his purpose and wanted to work somewhere that makes an impact. That was more than just the bottom line. Dennis is now a clinical supervisor with Youth Village's intensive in-home services program, Intercept. Intercept is a nationally recognized, evidence based, comprehensive in home services model that meets children and families at a critical crossroads and helps them find their way to well being. It keeps families together and has been found to reduce child welfare placement and speed permanency.
1: Dennis, great to see you. Great to see you too, as well.
0: Thanks, man. What's it feel like to have your own podcast?
1: <laughs> it's interesting. To say the least, you sound like a natural. <laughs> Thank you.
0: So, I, I read that there was a point in your career after college where you went into manufacturing.
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: And then you realized that wasn't your purpose, right? Is that true? Yeah,
1: that's that's true.
0: <laughs> what was that like?
1: Uh, well, well, the thing of it was was that manufacturing is pretty much just about the bottom line and not necessarily a purpose and so i guess during that time I, I couldn't talk about that without talking about my spiritual journey as well and and with my spiritual journey seeking that sense of purpose and i guess that it was like i had been in preparation but at that time there was a sense of self awareness that saying that oh okay i need to do something not this but i need to have a sense of purpose and and just you know my background just coming from where i come from and being in an environment where's that you know low income and everybody was sort of struggling And just seeing people around, seeing families around and seeing how the families were struggling and everybody seems like they had issues with mental health, substance abuse, had all these different issues going on. And um, I just, you know, was thinking about my purpose and just wanted to be a help or a value to them. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in South Memphis.
0: And so are you saying that it was a hard life growing up?
1: Oh, absolutely, because around me, it was all that stuff that, you know, I was exposed to around me. Like what? Uh, during that time, there was drugs, there was assaults happening all the time. Um, it was just an environment that a lot of people, it seemed like, didn't have that sense of hope or have the supports or able to be connected to the resources that, that they really needed, even for us as well even for my family as well. So
0: before we started recording, you were talking about a woman that you're going to be with this afternoon. Yes. And you talked about taking her and helping her and your involvement and the family's life, which I'm sure we'll come back to later on. But what does she need that you're giving her that you did not have that you referenced or other people didn't have in South Memphis when you were talking about growing up?
1: Yeah, it's, it's I'm helping her, giving her, providing her with the tools that, she may need. And also just with giving her the tools is with this particular um, lady, she doesn't have the parenting skills. And so assisting her with the parenting skills, helping her with budgeting, uh, food prep, things of that nature, that's going to benefit the entire family, the kids herself as well.
0: So when you say tools, what do you mean? Is that just an aspect of the tools that you just listed there.
1: Yes, yes. with the parenting skill tools, giving her the tools that she needs to do all those things that she needs to do in order to meet the basic needs of the children um, as well as you know making sure that they have food, making sure that they have medical, they can have access to a doctor, getting the appropriate physicals or assessments that may be needed.
0: You went to the University of Memphis and you studied psychology, is that right?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: Who was formative in your life? You talked about the environment that you grew up in, but you're successful at what you do. You seem to have an impressive life up to this point and, you know, got your degree in psychology at Memphis. So how did you continue to make choices to go get your degree?
1: Well, I was surrounded by people. It was there was like, you know, pockets of people along my way. I, I talked to someone. There was um someone at my church that helped me, that talked to me, that took the time. I had someone to actually after church on Sundays invited me to into their home and fed me, talked to me you know, played sports with me and did those things and gave me, shared a lot of information. I was able to see something outside of my environment at that time. And that person gave me, helped me to develop that sense of hope for something better and something different because in the environment I was in, and of course, a lot of the people that were in that environment as well, had lost that sense of hope that there was anything that was uh, could be achieved outside of the environment.
0: Like a hope for a better life?
1: Yes, absolutely. Is that what you're saying? Hope for a better life, just for something, anything better than the situation that they were in.
0: Did you get in a lot of trouble growing up?
1: Uh, growing up, I guess I was more of the, I was sort of labeled as the geek. I was someone different from the friends and in the neighborhood. And that was because of my mom. She was a huge, I call her my shiro. Uh, yeah. She had a huge impact upon my life as well. Um, I was a teenager when my mom ended up passing away. Sheesh. How old were you? At that time, I was 18 at the time.
0: So your mom was like the closest person to you?
1: Yes, yes. Didn't have a relationship with dad. I, I met dad once. I was about eight years old, and I lasted about probably two minutes. And uh, But mom was there.
0: You met your dad when you were eight years old and it lasted two minutes?
1: Right. Last about two minutes. He just said, I was sitting on the stairs, and he just said, move, and I moved. I didn't know who he was at that time.
0: You didn't know that was your dad?
1: No, when he left, and I found out that that was him. And about three months later, he died. He had lupus and had cancer, and he ended up dying. If
0: it's okay for me to ask, and if not, we'll skip, but what did that feel like?
1: At that particular time... I didn't know him, so it didn't impact me. I I didn't feel that it impacted me at that particular time. But as I got older, I realized that him not being in my life, how that impacted me, like teaching me a lot of things, like just how to be a man, what to do about work ethics, about how to treat a woman. I didn't see that interaction with my mom and and there were just a lot of things, that, that sense of security and protection that I didn't get. And I realized that, you know, early on during my teenage years.
0: And so your mom, she was the single parent. Yes. And she, you said she was your shiro. Yes. So she was your rock.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely.
0: And then she passes away. Yes. What was that like?
1: For the first time, the world seemed big. I never thought of it that way, but the world seemed big. And um, it was horrible at that time. And that was my um, first suicide attempt at that particular time because it was— The weight and the pain? Oh, absolutely. It was so—it felt so overwhelming. I felt lost. I felt empty. I felt lonely. I was— having all those feelings, all those emotions. And at that particular time, I had no one really to go and talk to. I felt like I could talk about because things weren't clear to me at that particular time.
0: And those families that you referenced or those people that reached out to you, was that about the same time?
1: Yes, yes. Along that time, I was able to. But it took a few months, a few months after that, then I was able to start you know, engaging with those people. Who were you living with? Uh, At that time, with a sister.
0: With your sister?
1: Yes. She was about, that time, three years older than myself.
0: How many siblings have you had?
1: Seven sisters, and there are three of us uh, boys. So there were a total of 10 of us.
0: So you're living with your sister, and you had an attempt. And then soon after that, that's when you're saying that, you started to feel the love and see some love from some other people is that oh, what you said
1: absolutely absolutely and that changed a lot it was able to start opening me up at that time to start seeing that that glimmer of hope and start seeing that um i had someone else there somebody else cared about me because when mom was my rock she was my hero and she was everything to me you know of course at that time and so when I started to sort of reconnect with 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 the people that were in my life, yeah, they they were a huge guide for me. What was her name? My mom. Yeah, her name was Gerther uh, Gerther Lee Barbara McBee.
0: She could only be listening. Well, I know she's
1: listening, but if she could be in here now, I bet she'd be proud. Oh, I'm sure she was always proud of me. She always, you know, used to tell all her friends all about. Um, She called me, hello, and she used to always say, y'all, hello this or hello that or whatever (laughs) accomplishments I made. Um, She'd always go around the neighborhood and just talk about me. What drove you to study psychology in your undergrad? Pretty much my family issues with myself and with family, with just trying to gain a sense of understanding. That's what it initially started with me trying to gain that, that understanding about What was going on?
0: I get that. I've done that in my own life, not to the degree that you have, but my sister's a therapist, and I've done a lot of work and uh, just been driven to try to have clarity through all these things that don't make sense. Right. So you're saying that drove you to get your undergrad degree. Did you know at that point that you'd be doing this work for your career?
1: No, I did not. I did not at that point. I didn't, because after school, it was— finding a job people it was more about okay let's make money you get out of you have to pay for these loans you have to do things and i ended up going into corporate america at that time so into manufacturing at that time just to make the uh money yeah. that i needed
0: so we opened up so you had this curiosity you had gone through these things that we've talked about you had relationships that mean the world to you that were gone so that drove you to be curious about this and to try to have understanding yes but then once you graduated, you felt that you couldn't do that work because you needed to go make money. Right. So that's why you went into corporate America. Right. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes. How long were you in that? Oh, well, close to a little bit over four years. Did you ever enjoy it? Well, I was pretty good at what I did. So in that regard, just knowing that there were certain accomplishments or achievements that I had made uh, during that time, they were good for me. Uh, but during that time, I was still on my spiritual journey, and when I got to the point that I wanted to find my sense of purpose, that's when I started to see outside of that.
0: So it wasn't gnawing at you the whole time?
1: Yes, it was gnawing at me, but initially I needed the money. It was a need at that time, so that's why I ended up going into that that field. But needless did I know— God was already preparing me. So I was in preparation until I gained that sense of self awareness to say, doing this, working with people and helping people. I often call that the help ministry, sort of helping people. Yeah. Um, initially, after that, I ended up working, doing some time in A and D, dealing with adults. But what I really wanted to do was work with the families because I had seen the struggle. We had the struggles in, within my family, and I had seen the struggle in the families that grew up around me. So at that particular time, I realized that was my purpose, was to work with the entire family structure, that entire family unit.
0: So you felt like it was a closer step to your purpose, but it wasn't it. Right. But it was a move in the right direction. Exactly. You talked about corporate America. You talked about needing to make money. When you think about Youth Villages today and your experience with it, if there's anything helpful here, I'm curious, what's it like to be a part of here today? Then also think about starting out in corporate America. Are there any similarities from a maturity standpoint with the organization? Is it not similar? What's your perspective on that?
1: Well, yeah, there are some differences, differences in the sense that when I was in corporate America, it was always about the bottom line. It was always about the bottom line numbers and meeting those numbers. But now here with Youth Villages, it's about purpose. Everything is driven by purpose versus being driven by money or whatever. But now it's about helping people and influencing positive changes in people's lives, something that— I didn't have and something that I even wanted to do in the people that were in my community because I saw that there was a need and working with youth villages, I saw what youth villages was already doing. I sort of, you know, did my own research and, and saw what youth villages were doing, and it was something definitely that aligned with um, what I wanted to be a part of.
0: Another work is very hard, and it can be very taxing, but— Could you maybe unpack that a little bit more to where the corporate America piece in the bottom line, is there any sense of benefit to the person on staff by working for an organization that's purpose first, but also has benefits in certain ways of a corporation where it's almost the best of both worlds?
1: Yes. And and I do because um, when I see here at Youth Villages, not only my work and my purpose, but Part of the benefits that I get is just knowing that I've helped someone and I can see the changes that have occurred in their life and I can see those breakthroughs. When I we start out in certain cases, there are a lot of challenging issues that are occurring and to see that improvement, that's a huge benefit. When I look at the benefits of, of what Youth Villages actually provides versus you know, when I look at corporate America and I look at the benefits that you villages, when I mean, you're talking about tuition reimbursement, you're talking about with our insurance, you're talking about a whole slew of things that they offer to, you know, and I, I look at to accommodate or, or be able to offset a lot of that stuff that, that they were doing when I was with the manufacturing company.
0: How do you get through the hard days? I mean, you've said a lot of really great things about being here, about your own spiritual journey. You've talked about the things that you've had to overcome personally. Do you still have hard days now?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And there are a variety of things. One is prayer. I start out with prayer daily, but also what I like and actually love about youth Villages is this team approach I can go to other members of the team and we can talk and that's pretty cathartic just being able to talk to somebody about the day what's going on be it my supervisor or be it another team member just having somebody that's able that that I'm able to actually talk to
0: Monday I was with somebody and they said that have an emotion for the work itself is not enough because it'll wear off, that you have to find your edge, something to, you know, insert a better word for edge if, if you'd like to, but you have to have something that keeps you engaged each day if you really want to do this for the long term. Would you agree with that? Oh,
1: absolutely.
0: What, what is that for
1: you? And I, that's, that's actually my, my spirituality, You know, my prayer life, that really, that's my edge. That's what keeps me going. Even in those hard days, when I have those hard days, I can go back and always have that with me, praying before I go to work, while I'm at work, after work. I have this little ritual that I do every night before I go to bed just to sort of kind of reflect over the day and look at what areas that I could improve upon or whatnot or or what help that I could get. Because I have to take care of dentists. I, I realize that I have to take care of dentists. And I enjoy, you know, certain things that I like doing, too. I, I love hitting the trails at Shelby Farms. So I love all the activities out there as well.
0: Are the families that you're working with now, are they in South Memphis?
1: Uh, no, they're throughout. I have families, a couple of families that are in South Memphis, but I have other families scattered out. But I have had several families in South Memphis area. What's it feel like to be going back? Oh, it feels almost surreal because it feels awesome to be able to go back into, you know, that area, that part of town and be able to help those people that when I was younger, I didn't have the skills or the tools uh to help people. But now having those skills and having those tools to share with other people to help them out of their situations. It's great.
0: If it's okay, when, when we go back to that, when you were late teen years and you made an attempt, did you only make one attempt or were there multiple
1: attempts? No, there were multiple attempts. I, there were a total of three.
0: What do you wish somebody told you then that you know now?
1: It was just having somebody there to let me know I wasn't alone because I really felt alone. At that time, you know, after losing mom, and I was I was a true uh, a mama's boy, so I was just in in every stretch of that imagination of being that I was that. And when she was lost, I felt so alone, and it was just at that particular time that somebody had just was there and that I could just talk to at that time, and that's what was missing then. So
0: her loss, that reason alone was what well, was pushing you to not want to be here. Yes, exactly. Right? Is that through your prayer life or how you start your day, is that your purpose and what you're trying to bring to each family each day?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because these are things that I've gained, and I just want to share those things in order to help others, to help these families. Because of a lot of those things that I've been through, And it's not just being sympathetic, I can be empathetic because I've walked in their shoes, I've been there, I've done that, I've been through that. And to engage in helping somebody else out of that similar situation, that's so gratifying within itself.
0: I read something that you said that the work and the way you do your work here, it was more in depth than maybe what you were accustomed to when you first, is that true? Yes, yes. What, from a research standpoint from a process standpoint, what do you mean by that?
1: One of the things about it with the process, sort of with the processing, when I got to Youth Villages, one of the things that stood out were the treatment plans. Their treatment plans are more details; They're way, way more specific, and it provided me with more with guidance as to how to treat their concerns or their issues a little bit more in depth than I typically have. Was it frustrating? No, not as much as frustrating as, you know, starting out, you know, anything new, anything that's challenging could be not necessarily frustrating, but it was just new and different. And so. Uh, More in depth. Yes. Than what you've been accustomed to.
0: Right. And so you said when you were at the, it was drug and alcohol facility, correct? Correct. And you knew that you had moved in A direction that was closer to your purpose out of corporate America, out of manufacturing, even though you felt that you were successful at what you did and you're experiencing strong economic opportunity, you know, as a result of it, you felt like it was a step in the right direction, but it wasn't it. And so then you started searching what? And then you found Youth Villages. What were you searching
1: I started searching more because I was dealing with the individual and what I was sort of driven towards was the family structure, more about the family. And so when I was in A&D, we were more just focused strictly on that individual. And now with Youth Villages, now I can look at the entire family structure and help the family. When we go into homes, I can actually identify with certain things or the family can share certain things, and I can help the families with those skills that they may need outside of the youth
0: and as we talked about earlier, but essentially everything that you saw growing up, so you had clarity in your own mind what
1: was really needed? not so much as that, but it's been about there's certain other challenges or things that I hadn't been exposed to now I'm being exposed to those things and but not only that, Youth Villages has given me the skills and the tools to actually deal with those things. When when it comes to specific things like dealing with kids that, were, that are on the spectrum, things of that nature. So when it was things that I wasn't used to dealing with, then I've gained those tools to be able to deal with that. So when I go into families and they're experiencing this, and then yeah. we can help them.
0: What you were saying by that, when you were talking about kids on the spectrum, you came into it doing this work specifically, but then as new research comes out or new processes or new ways to affect change for the child or for the family, it's like you're constantly having to keep up and learn and understand because things move fast. Is
1: that what you're saying? Right, exactly. Things move fast. And and one of the things I, I like is that with the trainings that we have, then we're able to keep up with those changes uh, once they, they, they've been identified.
0: What advice can you share? Let's say somebody out there that has an undergraduate degree similar to what you do or might have a grad degree similar to what you do. And they feel a pull, but they also are thinking about income. They're thinking about opportunity. Given that you've kind of had as diverse of a career as you've had up to this point, what are some of the top things somebody should think about on how to truly make the best decision for them and not necessarily be distracted by a lot of other things that can just kind of come at you
1: when you're at that point in your life? It it, it may be somewhat of a cliche, but I've heard this is find something that you really enjoy doing or purposeful for you, and you'll figure out a way to actually get paid for that. That'll happen, that'll come with it. Because doing what I do, I enjoy doing what I do, but also I'm provided with the financial resources I need to take care of myself or help my family. So I have that in regards to being away from corporate America, but it's just really about that purpose because I think that with us, that that would eat a weight at us about a purpose of what we do, why we get up every day and, and go to work every day. And even to be able to deal with or sustain with the challenges that we meet on a daily basis going to work.
0: So you're saying if you do what you're supposed to do, and you pursue that, and you do the work to the best degree that you can, everything else will take care of itself. Is that what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. How have you—you seem very peaceful. You seem optimistic. You seem very kind. But we've talked about some very heavy things. Just you as a human being, how are you the way that you are, given everything that you've gone through?
1: And And I guess based on everything I've gone through, it's actually being able to overcome a lot of that has given me strength. So even though there have been times that I've been weak, but going through that has actually given me the strength. And, you know, it's not only just giving me the strength, but it gives me the strength to be able to share with others to help build others up as well. Since you graduated,
0: was there ever something you went through where you didn't know if you could get through it?
1: No, not really. I've always felt that whatever challenges that come my way that I've always leaned to a scripture. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. And so I've always felt that because of spiritually where I am, that I'm able to endure or achieve or whatever that I need.
0: So your spiritual life, the way that you talked about it throughout this interview, that's given you the confidence or the clarity or the resiliency to just keep facing and doing the things the way you've done it.
1: Yes. Yes, and, and and it's the fact that a lot of times I think that when I didn't have the resources or, or, or what I needed is that it's just that don't give up. Is that giving up? One of my munchers in life is giving up is not an option, and so when I'm dealing with people, I'm dealing with families. It's not about giving up. So if I can't go this way, then I go to the team and say, hey, anybody else has anything else to help me in that area? So I just really live off that.
0: Have you ever been a part of someone's life recently where it did not end well?
1: Uh, Yes.
0: How do you get over that?
1: Yes. Those are things that learning to accept that there are things that I have no control over. Because a lot of times I think that initially I started to beat myself up saying, what can I have done differently? What can I have? But when you know that you've done everything that you can do, then it's a matter of accepting the fact that you have no control. There are certain things that that I I realize I have no control over.
0: What do you want most for your own career? I don't know if you're thinking about your own career that much, but say the next 5, 10, 15, what do you want for your own career in this field?
1: Just really to continue to grow and continue to help others. You know, I'd love to be in the leadership role just to be able to help other people along their journey as well.
0: So I guess you just want to keep doing the work. Oh, absolutely. What do you want most for Youth
1: Villages? I want them to be able to reach and go as broad as possible. They can go to reach the population of the people that we serve.
0: Last question I have, unless there's anything else you'd like to share that I haven't asked you, is there somebody that comes to mind when I ask you? Is there somebody you've worked with over the last year, a few years, whose story themselves and what they've gone through and what they've overcome is just stuck with you?
1: Oh, absolutely. There are several stories. I, I have an immediate one with I was working with a family, and uh, this particular family was. was the daughter was 17. She was in school suffering from depression. Same thing, suicidal attempts, working with her, uh, working with the family because the family didn't totally understand depression, actually doing some education with the family. The daughter now has graduated from high school and attending Spelman College now and very successful and still using the tools and the aftercare plan that um, we have developed.
0: And you were a part of that?
1: Yes. What did she need? Um, She needed the tools that she needed Were like a crisis response plans as to what she can do when things happen, uh, her support system, people that she could talk to, she can go to, identifying what her triggers were when she started feeling a certain way, things that she can do um, to offset some of those feelings, those negative feelings that she had.
0: And that's the same thing that you've referenced throughout our time together? Yes. Man, thank you. It's a privilege to be with you. How was this?
1: Oh, it was it was great. You made it great, so. <laughs> well, thank you. You got a great voice. Thank you. Maybe if you
0: need another career at some point, you should be a singer.
1: <laughs> kind
0: of got this Isaac Hayes aspect to it.
1: <laughs> thank you.
0: All right, man. Thank right. you. From Youth Villages, I'd like to say thank you for listening to this episode of Stronger Than You Think. And thank you, Dennis McBee, for sharing your story with us. For more information about careers with Youth Villages, visit www.youthvillages.org. That's youthvillages.org. We have also included resources in the show notes where you can find out more information about our programs. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to support the show, the best thing you can do is recommend it to a friend. Maybe share it with someone who you think might need it right now or is looking for their next career move. On behalf of Youth Villages, my name is Sam Coates, and I'm reminding you that you are stronger than you think. Before we go, here's a sneak peek at what's to come on our next episode with Youth Village's own Carl Davis. We'll see you back here then. We either
1: can be part of the problem or we can be part of the solution. So I can go home at night and watch the news and just keep shaking my head or I can see what I can do to do something about it. And so I, I choose to be on the other end and do something about it. Like, I, I mean, I see the news, I read the newspaper, so I see the numbers going up, And but sitting at home and talking about it over dinner, uh, that's not gonna get a solution, you know what I'm saying? So I, I prefer to get around like-minded individuals who's bold enough to go out there and uh, see if we can uh, demand change.